Welcome to How Leaders Lead, where every week you get to listen in while I interview some of the very best leaders in the world. I break down the key learnings so that by the end of the episode, you'll have something simple you can apply as you develop into a better leader. That's what this podcast is all about. Today, we're going to talk about a book that I co-authored with my friend, Jason Goldsmith, a renowned sports performance coach for world-class athletes. The book is available now wherever you buy books and is titled, Take Charge of You, How Self-Coaching Can Transform Your Life and Career. Now, what makes this book different is you can obviously read this book from front to back, and I, I know you'll enjoy the stories that Jason and I tell. But the big differentiator is that we have great exercises and tools that you can use in this book to help you coach yourself to reach your full potential in your life and career. This is a book you can not only read, it's a book you can use again and again to take yourself to new heights. Now, you know, I usually do these podcasts myself and ask all the questions, but I thought it'd be a lot of fun to let you hear from both Jason and I and have someone else interview us. So I asked my friend Donna Barton Brothers to sit in and guide our conversation. Donna is a former jockey and world-renowned broadcaster for NBC. She's the one you see at the Kentucky Derby interviewing the winner on horseback, riding backwards. That's pretty incredible. So we're off to the races. Let's not wait any longer. Here's a very fun conversation with two of my good friends and soon to be yours, Donna Barton Brothers and Jason Goldsmith. It's my pleasure to talk today with David Novak and Jason Goldsmith, the co-authors of Take Charge of You. So why this book? Why now? And you've written three books by yourself. This is one that you co-authored with Jason. So first of all, how did that come about that you all would co-author a book? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is, is that, you know, you really want to try to make the world a better place. That's really our, our personal missions. And you know, one of the things we both learned, and, and there's a lot of research on this, is people are very frustrated in, in business and in life that they don't have access to really good coaching. People are very frustrated at work that their boss isn't giving them what they need. And so Jason and I, we've been working together, you know, for, for a few years now, and we felt that we could really help people by giving the, them the coaching or the process that they could use to coach themselves. You know, life is just too important to leave your life up to somebody else. You know, you need to take charge of it. And uh, that's why we decided to, to come together. Jason, we know about the process of coaching. We know about getting a coach. And in fact, you've been a great coach. But tell me, what does self-coaching mean? So self-coaching is really just about being aware of yourself and what your goals and ambitions are, and then having a process that allows you to achieve those goals. So David and I really felt like it was something that the world needed and not enough people understand that self-coaching is really so important because there aren't enough good coaches out there for everybody to, to hire a coach like, like David or myself. So if you could learn to self-coach, then I think people will be able to achieve a lot more out of their lives. One of the reasons why I found it really interesting is because David mentioned I was a jockey. And I think jockeys are one of the few professional athletes that don't have a coach. Most professional athletes do. And so my mantra sort of became how you do anything is how you do everything, right? And so that's how I would sort of coach myself. But that's more of a pep talk. I'm guessing that this self-coaching method goes a lot further than pep talks that you give yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that when I first heard you say that about 
jockeys don't have coaches. Number one, I was really surprised because, you know, obviously I thought it's such, you know, a demanding sport and, and you're out there and, and, and you're really having to manage this animal that's underneath you. You would think that there would be jockeys from the past that would realize, hey, I, I have some insight here. I could share it with other jockeys. So to me, the fact that jockeys have had to self-coach themselves all along is, is, is pretty amazing. But, but to answer your question, I think where people you know, don't realize is you know, every day people are self-coaching. I think where we help people in this book is you know, teach them best practices to maybe then understand what their purpose is and how to get more out of their life. So I think, you know, when, when you came up with that saying that was a pep talk, well, being a jockey and, and understanding that you have to have positive self-talk a lot of the times to get your mindset right, you know, that's one of the tools that we use in the book. So it's, it's having this understanding that there are a lot of things that all of us you know, do, but we don't realize how important there are. When you have a negative thought, the most important thing you can do when you have that negative thought is to then, you know, reframe that and then have some positive self-talk that gets you back into this neutral state. When you're in that neutral state, then everything is possible. So I think, you know, you, you were using that tool. You just didn't know how powerful that tool was. Yeah. Yeah. I think that why did Jason and I really come together here is, is that, you know, he, he brings a very unique vantage point, uh, which is being a sports performance coach. And then I've coached a, a, a lot of business people. And so together we thought we could do something that would be very unique. You know, there's tons of books on coaching. And so we really asked ourselves, what can we do that will really be different and make a big difference in other people's lives? And we both realize that even when you have a really good coach, Donna, you know, you, it comes back to you. You've got to put it into action. And we also both realized that the way how I coach people in business and the way how he coached people in, in, in sports was very, very similar. So we thought the real big thing that we could do is create a totally different concept, a new concept, which is called self-coaching. And, and give people the process that they can use if they don't have the means of having a coach. Give them a process that they could follow, a five-step process that they could follow that would help them achieve their full potential as the self-coach. And that's why we really made the subtitle, How Self-Coaching Can Transform Your Life and Career. Dave, okay. can you talk about ways that you've used this self-coaching in your own life? Well, I think, you know, what's really interesting, Donna, I do all these podcasts with all these great CEOs and great sports leaders, and it's interesting. They all self-coach, and it's that's another reason why we wrote the book. They naturally kind of go through what coaches would, would do if they could teach them what to do, you yeah. know? And yeah, there's been a number of times when, you know, I've, I've coached myself. Just recently, I was looking at a new business opportunity, and I, I went through the process. Well, I have three what we call joy builders. One is my family. Two is golf. I, I love to golf. But three is I, I really have a personal passion for leadership development. So somebody came to me with a business opportunity. And I, I say no to anything that doesn't fall in the area of leadership development. But this was one where we could help 6 million low-income families uh, get the help they need to decide whether their kid should go into vocational school and college. So it was right up my alley. And I said, you know, I can have fun doing this. 
So I coached myself into saying yes. And you had that sort of guiding paradigm and you looked at it and said, yes, it fits into my paradigm. It fits into what my purpose is, what my joy is, uh, you know, what is going to give me a lot of satisfaction. And, you know, for, for me, one of the big things that I think unite both Jason and I is we're very other directed. You know, we, we get our joy from helping other people. And, but that's, that's how I make my decisions. And, and, and it keeps me in the right lane. And, and I don't end up doing things that I don't enjoy. Yeah. Hey, Jason, in the book, one of the things that I really loved is the way you use the word yet instead of ever or never. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So, you know, to me, everybody has these times where they're wanting to accomplish something. And for them, it's difficult to think that they can, you know, run that marathon, whatever it is, you know, hit that 150 yard shot a little bit closer, make that putt, you know. So whatever it is, when you haven't done something, you're very uncomfortable. So, so typically you create this story and this story tends to limit your potential. So if you think about something that you really want to accomplish and you say to yourself, I'm not sure I can do that, but then you just add the word yet to the end, it completely changes the energy. And so it's a way to reframe situations. And so, you know, I've, I've used that for years. And whenever I hear somebody make a negative statement, I always just, say yet at the end. So the way I look at it, you, you might not think you're a really good self-coach. Uh-huh. And, and, and I think I just said, hey, yet. You're, you're <laughs> not you a go. good self-coach yet. You know, read this book and you'll learn how to be a great self-coach and uh, do what you want to do in life. So one of the other takeaways from the book is a stat in there that you said Americans are starting new businesses now at a higher than ever rate. So it seems to me like this is really the best timing for this book. And David, you've coached so many people who are in businesses, but people who are starting new businesses, I think can benefit from this more than most. Yeah. You know, I, I love talking to all these people who have these startups and the founders of these, you know, embryonic companies. The thing that really is the biggest hurdle they often have to get over is just making that leap that I'm going to actually do this, Mm. okay? And I think what our book does is it helps people make those personal leaps, get the transformational insights on their own performance and what they want to do in life that allow you to jump off that diving platform and, and, and make a few ripples. That's what I think is really exciting. And beyond that, Jason, one of the other takeaways from the book is that in there, it says that according to a Gallup poll, 85% of people are dissatisfied with the position they're in because of their manager. And so if the manager is not coaching them, then if they follow these principles in theory, they could stay in that same job and become more satisfied because of the coaching they're getting. Yeah, 100% right, Donna. It's, it's so many people go to work every day and aren't passionate about what they do, and they're not receiving the coaching they need so that they can achieve the things that they want to out of life. And, and that's what we hope this book does for people is it, it's the nudge to get them to realize that they have that ability inside of what they need is just a few tools. And it's not just being able to go to the job and be your own coach. It's by learning to coach yourself, you can coach others. And when you build that capability, you're going to grow yourself and you're going to have the ability to, to lead other people. So it's, it's a big win-win. You know, it's, it's, if you can coach yourself, then you can coach other people and that, that'll help catapult your career as well. People are so frustrated 
so frustrated with their their bosses. In fact, you know, I've I've often thought that you know we should just start this movement to declare war on on bad bosses, and and bad bosses just aren't really good at at coaching, and that's why people are so frustrated, and and that's why if we can create more great coaches, we'll create more leaders, and that's going to make a big difference in, in in the world. Yeah, and I would venture to say if these bad bosses could learn to coach themselves. They might be able to learn to coach other people as well. (laughs) Well, I'm hoping that somebody has gotten some feedback as a bad boss that they'll pick up, take charge of you and say, hey, look, this is something that I need. And I guarantee you, if you don't know how to coach, you learn how to coach yourself first, you'll be able to coach other people. And this is what I think makes us such a revolutionary concept. There's all these books on coaching and, you know, but hey, you know, you got to start with yourself. It's like expectations. The highest expectations anyone should have is the expectation that they have personally for themselves. And when you have that, that leads to other things that, that, that take you forward. So let's back up. How did the two of you guys meet? Uh, David has a really good friend named Jimmy Dunn. And, and Jimmy is an amazing businessman, but he also loves golf just as much as David does. You know, some would say David loves golf <laughs> more than anybody. <laughs> but, uh, but Jimmy said, I have this buddy and, uh, and I think he could use your help. And if, if you could come down here and maybe, you know, introduce yourself and, and have a session and we'll just see how things go. And- okay, so let's stop for a second because I've heard David's a pretty good golfer. So obviously the guy wasn't going, I've got this buddy who's a bad golfer. So what was it about your golfing and your buddy that made him go, Jason, I think you got to come help my friend. Well, I think that's a very good question. I have to be very honest, open and vulnerable (laughs) here is that, you know, I was very good at playing rounds of golf. uh, But when I played in tournaments, I didn't play as well. Mm. I'd have the big shot I have to make or have to have the putt I needed to make, but I would get too tight, think about the outcome and not hit the shot when I needed to do it. So I think what Jimmy wanted me to do is to learn how to free myself up. He always used to say to me, you know, it's just the golf shot, okay? Well, I put too much importance on that. So I needed to have a performance coach, someone to really help me through what I needed to do to be able to perform in in, in those kinds of situations. And I've made a lot of progress. I, you know, I'm not as good as I want to be, but I, I I know I wouldn't be where I'm at today without uh, Jason's uh, coaching. What point did you guys decide, hey, we've got something here between the two of us. What was your aha moment? Let's write a book together. Well, when you spend a lot of time with people, you, you'd either decide you like them or you don't, okay? And, you know, Jason is like one of my best friends. And I, I was thinking, geez, we have such commonality in terms of the desire to help other people. We both love coaching. He's a professional coach. I took pride in being a great coach when I was a CEO of Young Brands and teaching, taking people with you and doing one-on-ones with all of my general managers and really helping them. And I just said, hey, Jason, you know, we should write a book. Then the next process was, how do we make it unique? Jason, had you thought about writing a book before that point? No, Donna, not at all. I mean, I, I'm, I'm dyslexic. So, you know, for me, language has always been very difficult. I have to interject because one of the things I did love about the book is how you also came to see your dyslexia growing up always as a liability or as a disability. And at some point you were able to reframe that and see that it also helped you develop along the way special abilities that you otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah. So, you know, to me, it's, it, you know, it's like you're always hiding something because you're not sure how the rest of the world is going to view you. 
if, if they know you have this, you know, supposed disability. And, and to me, you know, it's, it's like what we say in this book, one person can change your life. And I was playing around a golf and, and it happened to be a, a guy that was in our foursome that I'd never met before. And, and he started, you know, asking me about my life and, and dyslexia came up and he said, you know, my daughter's dyslexic. And I was like, really? And he said, yeah. And he said, you know, they view that as just her brain being different. But in a lot of ways, she's way more creative than a lot of other people. And, you know, and so now they're looking at it as, you know, maybe that's a good thing. Like, like having a brain that isn't the same as everybody else's. And, and just that conversation, you know, completely changed my view on, on how I had been carrying around this, this fear for the majority of my life. And, and so, you know, to me, it's like what David said about this book. If, if you know, somehow we can have these five steps just be a spark that ignite something in somebody that maybe they didn't think they were capable of before uh, and, and it changes their life. Um, you know, to me, that's the power of, of being a good coach, you know? And so, so, you know, you guys were saying earlier about these, you know, bad bosses, maybe they just haven't had the opportunity to coach somebody and feel what it feels like to transform somebody's life. Because I think once they got that, it's so addicting that I, I think everybody would do it because it's just so gratifying. It's interesting because, there's a lot of research on this. The happiest people in the world are other directed. And that's another reason why I wanted to team up with Jason. So you know, you're saying narcissists aren't happy. Narcissists are not happy. <laughs> they, you know, collecting things, uh, you know, getting the title, uh, you know, moving up at all costs. These people are, are the most frustrated people in the world. They might have everything, but they have nothing. Okay, but the people that are the happiest are the people that are other directed. And and that's another reason why I wanted to team up with Jason. You know, Jason's a very hardworking person. Uh, the only thing he cares about is helping other people. And he's one of the happiest guys I know. I wonder why, you know, I mean, I'm always telling him and I coach him on his business. I say, Jason, you don't charge enough money for what you do. He doesn't care about money. What motivates him it is the thing that 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 gives him the joy of coaching others. So David speaking of coaching others, you did write the book taking people with you, but beyond that, I heard a rumor that there's something like 27 people who worked under you at some point that are now CEOs or went on to be CEOs. So this is a little bit of a twofold question. First of all, I'm sure you're very proud of that. But secondly, you were talking Jason earlier about sort of feeling like he had something to hide. So I'm guessing that imposter syndrome also holds people back. So you obviously coached people through this. Does the self-coaching also help people get past that sort of imposter syndrome and move up? Yeah, you know, you can have a coach and a coach can tell you so many things, okay? And, and it's like, that's great. But the real question is, are you going to do it? See, the coach can never do it for you, okay? So, you know, Jason can teach Jason Day and, and Justin Rose how to become number one golfers in the world when they didn't. But that's in practice. But when those two guys got out there on the golf course, they're faced with a situation. Jason isn't there to tell them what to think. Jason isn't there to tell them to get in the neutral zone. Jason isn't there to say not yet. You know, they have to self-coach to, to get there. But they have the tools to do it because they've worked with the Jason. And I can tell you myself, when I do what Jason tells me to do, 
I do extremely well, but the problem is, Donna, I don't do it enough, okay? <laughs> you get distracted, <laughs> you know, I'm guessing. And, and I think that's what <laughs> happens to everybody, but at least I've been blessed enough to have a process that I can use that if I use it well, I'm going to perform well. Jason, he brought up the neutral zone. Let's talk about that zone of neutrality. Yeah, so it's just really just another way of saying being present, you know? So, so when people are talking about being in the zone, what they're really talking about is being present and having a clear intention and trusting their ability. And that's really what being in the zone is. So, so when we want people to get into the neutral state, we want them to get there because everything's possible from that place. So you're, you're not too positive and you're not too negative. You're in this neutral space where everything can unfold in front of you. And that's when you're most creative and that's when you're your best athlete is when is when you're in a neutral place the outcome takes care of itself david i yeah. guess it's hard for a passionate guy like you to stay in a neutral zone <laughs> I, I think it's a, i think it's a great point you know because you get a little bit too high and sometimes you get a little bit too low uh but a funny story about this when Jason and I, the very first day that we worked together, I'm out there, I've got my golf clubs with me and I really want to work on my short game because that's my biggest area of opportunity. And, and oh, I like the way you called it, your biggest area of opportunity, yeah, not so your he, liability. He, 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 so list, he listens, oh, okay. he listens. <laughs> so anyway, you know, Jason says, let's go inside. I go, what do you mean? Let's go inside. So he takes me inside the clubhouse and we find this one room. And he puts on this focus band, which allows you to, to really understand if you're in a neutral state or not, this new technology that he's created. And he has me walk up and down the, uh, the room and, you know, just trying to be focused on being neutral. And if you're neutral, you go in the green state. When you're thinking different thoughts, the red comes in. Well, I got red popping up all over the place, you know. But, I, you know, but it really made me think about the importance of just quieting your, your mind. So eventually we did go out on the golf course and it's spitting rain. I mean, it's just absolutely pouring rain. And I got this guy, he's very expensive. So I got to use him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to pay him. So I'm out there <laughs> raining. And, you know, so I, I start hitting shots and, you know, I was so focused on being good. I was terrible. And, you know, it's really interesting in business. I can free myself up. I've had so much experience. I can do it naturally, you know, that it comes to me. And, you know, but it's all because I've spent so much time at it. Okay. I couldn't in the sporting, in the golf environment, really free myself up to perform it at my best. And when you get that kind of tension, you can't get there. And so I think the whole neutral state and a number of other things that, that Jason talks about in the book helps you navigate through through those uh, and issues. And so you eventually learned how to get into the neutral state. Uh, I can. I can <laughs> get in the neutral state, you know, and uh, it's, it's kind of funny. You know, I, I wish I could do it more often. But since I started working with Jason, I did win a club championship for the first time. You know, I shot my age. I'm 68. I shot my 68 at a very- That's a big vi goal. Very, very uh, good golf course. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've won, uh, you know, a very prestigious tournament with a partner where I shot a 74 on my, on my own ball and another very difficult course. So, you know, but the problem is with me, you know, I, next day I might shoot 82. I think but, that's the problem with most people who are not pro golfers. Yeah, well, maybe so. But, you know, we're all in the quest <laughs> of, of, of getting better. So does self-coaching mean that you have to go it alone? You just are on your own? Well, I, I think ultimately the answer is yes. But what David said earlier is absolutely correct. We're all doing it anyway. What we're saying is, is through our life experience, we're going to give you these tools to get you there quicker. And that's our goal is, you know, if, if you wanted to spend 20 or 30 years 
you know, to, to come up with this process yourself, you, you probably would if you're really focused on it. So let's talk about the process. How did you, you guys essentially create a roadmap that will lead you from point A to where you want to be? How did you come up with that process? You don't want to get to that, but I want to go back to your question because I okay. think it's a, a, it's an excellent question because does self-coaching mean you don't need coaches? Absolutely. That's crazy to, to think that you don't need coaches. But what self-coaching does is helps you figure out who you need to learn from. Let me give you a good example. When I was first became CEO, I was the marketing and operations person. So I never really had a lot of experience uh, working with the investment community. So I used a few contacts to do everything I could to get a meeting with Warren Buffett. And so I went to Omaha and I talked to him about, you know, how to deal with investors, what he would do if he was me. And I took notes and I was sitting there at the, the feet of the master and, and I picked up some great know-how on, on how to deal with investors. And I went to see Warren Buffett every year I was CEO and I was CEO from 1997 to 2016. But I did that with Warren Buffett. I did that with other people. I would always go I'd know what my gaps were. I'd know where I needed to, to, you know, to get better. And I would go to people to learn from them. And then sometimes I wanted to put the pedal to the metal on something that I was really good at. And I'd go to somebody there that could t maybe teach me something that I didn't know. Yeah. And, you know, that that's what I think self-coaching does is self-coaching helps you build awareness of yourself so that you can know what coaches to go to. And you don't have to necessarily, not everybody can go to see Warren Buffett or, or you know, the people that I've been able to see, but- you can go read books about those people and what they have to say about the subject. You, there's lots of different ways you can get that know-how. So it sounds like really what you're trying to do is develop confidence with humility to understand where your shortfalls are and then go fill those gaps. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, you, you, that's a very good point. I think, and and it's interesting, the best leaders I know, uh, you know, let's take a guy like a Jamie Dimon who runs J.P. Morgan Chase. This guy is extremely confident. Yet he's humble enough to know that he doesn't know everything. And, and, and I think that makes him very endearing, very inspiring, and why people want to follow him. So now let's talk about that process. How did you guys land on, this is the map that we think is going to work for most everybody out there. Well, I think what we did was we sat down and we really thought about, you know, who were all these really successful people and, and what did they have in common? And, you know, David and I would share stories. And then it was once we started to, to look at all these different stories and all these different successful people, what were the commonalities? And these were stories from athletes on your part and CEOs and, and leaders of, of multiple organizations. People on your who part. start up companies, people like yourself, you know, people that we learn from. And, and also we really dug deep into how we do what we do. You know, a lot of times, really successful people, uh, they they do things that other people don't do, but they they say, they, they say, well, it just comes naturally to me. That's, well, maybe it comes naturally to you, but not when you really diagnose what it is that you've done, okay? And, you know, what we did is we sat down and we really talked about how I coach, how he coaches, we looked at the commonalities and we came up with this five-step process that's in the book that'll take you through whatever issue that you're dealing with and help you get to hopefully the promised land. And, and, but it was that we had to dig deep, you know, 
uh, even Jason, a professional coach, he has all these tools. He didn't really have a five-step process, okay? He was doing those things, but together we created this five-step process that anybody in any walk of life, any vocation can use to up their game. And at this point, what gives you the confidence to know that this process works? Well, I think for me, it's because, you know, at the end of the day, what David said is, is true. I didn't realize that I was doing this while I was doing it. And, you know, to think back at, at how I started out and to think where I ended up, you know, everything is, is, is just gravy to me. Like this is just icing on the cake to have this book on the shelf. So I know the process works because I've lived the process and, and I want to share that with other people. And that's the, really the goal of the book. When you, when you read the book, you're going to hear all kinds of stories from, from Jason's vantage point where he's worked with people and help them achieve things that they were really struggling with, mm -hmm. okay? And not just the very top elite uh, athletes, but, you know, people who were climbing the ladder in the, in, the, in the worlds of sports. You know, somebody's 15 years old that's being overly criticized by, by their, their mother, you know? It, it just lots of things that I think will really be in the book that you'll really enjoy because, you know, people love stories. You know, you don't want to just hear do A, B, C, D, E, F. You want stories that inspire you to do A, B, C, D, E, F. And Jason has a lot of them, and maybe I have one or two, okay? And, you know, we try to really uh, make the book come alive through the stories that, that we have. Well, I have to admit, I got a copy of the book a couple of days ago, so I had two days to read it. And so I loved everything about it, except that I had to rush through it. So I look forward to go back <laughs> and reading it slowly. But back to the writing process of, and, and comparing the different ways that the business people and the, and the athletes have, have achieved their goals. Did you guys ever have any arguments or any like points of contention or did it all come together really easily once you, you sat down and talked about it? Yeah, I, I think it really came together quite easily. I mean, to me, if you're really good at something, you get so good at it that you actually play at it. And, and, and at the end of the day, that's what I coach because so many people forget how to play because they get so connected to the outcome that they forget it's really about the joy of playing. So I, I don't think it matters if you're a doctor or a lawyer or a professional golfer or basketball, baseball player, it really doesn't matter. You have this skill set, you have this passion that drives you, that motivates you to be able to play at whatever it is. And, and I think that's the real commonality is, you know, people that really succeed at life figure out how to play every day and find joy. And that's what motivates them to get up every day and do it. You know, we had, I would say, uh, a collective agreement on the major concepts of the book. Where we had our points of debate was how you say it. You know, because, you know, finding that, that, that magic set of words, yeah. okay, that really gets to what you're really talking about is not easy. But, you know, again, it helped us simplify, you know, and all leaders need to learn how to simplify, uh, you know, what they want their people to do. And we were able to simplify the way how we work with other people uh, in a way that I think everybody can relate to and, and come back to, to, to their specific vocation. Well, back to what you said earlier, one of the things I thought you all did really well to tell the story was let other people tell the story. Like through example of, well, I coached this one guy or I talked to this other guy. And those stories I feel like really fed into this is why this works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, and, and you know, because you, the last thing you want to do when you write a book is bore people. 
You know, exactly. So the real question is, how do you put a unique twist on 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 the familiar? Well, there's a lot of stuff out there that talks about coaching. Our unique twist is is self coaching and the unique vantage point from doing it. I don't think there's too many coaching books or business books where you have somebody that comes at it from the sports side and the business side. And I think that that's another point of uniqueness in, in, in the book. And another reason why we enjoy doing it, because, you know, there's nothing like becoming what I call whole brained. Okay. You know, you have a different skill, you have different skills. We have a, all have different ways that we go about doing things, but when we all come together, you know, the brain gets more full, the brain gets more total, you become whole brained. And that's what we think we give is a whole brain perspective on the world of coaching. Right. Well, I can tell you, I've read everything from Zig Ziglar to Deepak Chopra to Tony Robbins, and this is unique. And I liked everything about it. So I felt like you guys did a really good job. Now you you all had been friends for a long time before this, but then you went through this writing process together. Did you learn anything about each other that that you didn't know before? Learn that you had any special talents? Well, what I learned (laughs) You know, because I've heard all the stories and, you know, read David's books. And so, I, you know, I, I knew David as being, you know, one of the top CEOs in the world. But what I hadn't learned was what it was like to participate with David leading a group of people with a common goal. So, so that, you know, I, I know David as you know, a great friend of mine, you know, one of my best friends in the whole world now. But in the beginning, you know, he was somebody that needed help at golf. And, and so to go from that to this, you know, that, that was what was so different for me is, is, is how creative and what an amazing leader he is. It's, it's different to hear about it and then to experience it. So, so for me, that's what I learned was I, I knew David, you know, was, was a genius when it came to being creative. But when you're in a book writing process and you need things to get done, you need somebody that's going to lead the team, but you also need somebody that's going to have this creative way about them to come up with new ideas, you know, come up with the name of the book, you know, those kind of things. So, you know, to me, that was, that's what I learned most when, in, during this process. One of the things about Jason is he's very process directed. He says, never, don't worry about outcome. Always be focused on the process, 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 <laughs> you know. And, but one of the things that I learned about Jason and it surprised me because I thought he was extremely anal, you know, very literal, you know, <laughs> but he ended up being extremely creative. I didn't know this about him, you know, because we, we, you know, I came up with the title, Take Charge of You and, and, and the, the subhead, but we were really struggling with, you know, how do we get a really exciting cover? You know, the cover's really important if you want to sell a lot of books. And believe me, you know, we want to sell a lot of books because we want to make a difference with a lot of people. Well, we kept thinking about the cover, looking at covers, and we had all these people working on the cover and our designers and all this stuff. And he actually, when you look at the cover, which is basically a reflective mirror, it says, take charge of you. It was his idea. He said, why not put a mirror on the cover? And then we found out that we could make it reflective. And, you know, it's a really great cover, in my opinion, better than anything I've ever done. And he came up with it. Then we pay these designers to come up with icons to get at our coaching tips and you know, all this. And and again, we get zero creativity. I, I don't know why. These are professionals. And this guy comes up and he comes up with the two icons that we're going to use inside of the book. Because this is a book of exercises. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, you know, you can read this book straight through and you're going to enjoy it. Okay. But the people that are going to get the most out of it, they're going to stop and do 
many of the exercises that we have in the book because it'll help you get done what needs to, to get done. But anyway, Jason came up with the icons and I was surprised how, how creative he, he he was. He's very creative. He Now he walks around like a little rooster going, <laughs> you know, I came up with the cover and da, 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 da. Jason, you know? did you surprise yourself or did, was this just something that you normally do? No, I mean, obviously I've never done anything like this before, but you know, to me it was, we had spent so much time and you know, when you spend so much time thinking about one thing and, you, you know, I'm going to say you get in the neutral state, it's, <laughs> it's incredible, you know, what ideas, you know, you can come up with. And, and so, again, it was just an exercise in we had this really clear intention. We were spending a tremendous amount of time on, you know, figuring out these things that were, like David said, so critical, very important. And, and I would literally meditate on these concepts. And, you know, just one day I'm like looking at myself in the mirror, probably getting ready to, to do something. He and, does that quite often. By the way. <laughs> yeah. I probably need to do a little bit more, <laughs> but, but, and, and literally saw take charge of you on the mirror. And I thought, God, wouldn't that be great if you walked into a bookstore and you picked up this book and it reflected back your face in the book and it said, take charge of you. To me, that would be something that I would pick up, and I'd at least open it up to read what the book was about. And and, and it's, I think it's great. And you know, the, I think the other thing that uh, we learned about each other is just how much fun it is to do something that you're really proud of that you know will help other people. We both have that inclination. He's coached all these athletes, and you're, you're right. I'm, I'm extremely proud of the fact that you know I've got over 20 people that I work with that become CEOs of really big time companies. And that makes me really proud. And, and, and the fact that we could work together and, and really, you know, put down and codify the things that have helped these people be so successful uh, really, really uh, meant a lot to both of us. Yeah, I think it really shows that both of you are really passionate about helping other people and not, not just so that you can make money to, to coach other people, but to truly help other people. But Jason, let's go to your background a little bit because you were in business and so how did you go from having two different businesses actually to becoming a performance coach? So it, it really goes back to, my, you know, my wife was the one that got me on this path and, and she knew that I was not happy with where I was. And, 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 you know, quite frankly, I was in a great career and I was running a boat company in San Diego. You were successful, but not happy. I was, I was more successful than I thought I'd ever be but I, it wasn't feeding my soul. So I knew that, that I had a greater purpose and I didn't know at the time that I wasn't fulfilling my life purpose. Now, okay. I won't tell the whole story, but I do love the fact that your wife called you out on your own sort of declaration and said, hey, you said, and so- Right, part, part <laughs> of it is, right? Part of coaching is having people to hold you accountable and she held me accountable. And, and, and that accountability changed my life. And so I went from- not feeding my soul and not knowing what my life's purpose is, you know, sitting here now knowing exactly what I was put on this earth to do. David, let's talk about the accountability because you do talk about it in the book also. But earlier I asked you, does self-coaching mean you go it alone? And essentially in the book, you talk about it's important to set goals and then tell people about those goals. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the most important people understand what people want, okay? They talk about it all the time, and then they make sure that it happens. And, you know, I, I think that, it, you know, the real question is, if that's the key to success, how do you do that for yourself? 
that's the that's the million dollar question. That's why you, you need books like this to help you work through those things so that you can have that 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 kind of success. You know, I have all kinds of self-coaching stories and that I've had and and stories where other people have self-coached in, in, in the business world. And I've seen it happen in sports as well. Um, but it's it ultimately it comes down to your own personal accountability. Do I want this bad enough to where I'm going to make the changes I need to make to get to where I want to go? So, Jason, you've worked with some of the most accomplished athletes in the world. Where do you even start with a guy like Jason Day who says, you know, come help me? Where do you start as a coach? I, I always start with their story because if if you can get somebody to relay their story to you, then you really start to get insight into their personal beliefs. And then you can figure out, okay, where are the areas that this particular person needs some help? So, so asking a lot of questions, you know, becoming you know, what, what I would say more self-aware, helping the athlete become more self-aware so that we can identify what the issues are. And then we have a starting point as to, as to how we can help them get better and achieve their goals. And have they all been pretty easily coachable or are some of them a bit more set in their ways? I would say every, every athlete that I've ever worked with is, is different. And I think that's, you know, obvious, you know, everybody's unique. So it's, it's, it's finding the person where they are and then having a process in place that's going to allow you to help them help themselves. And so, so really, you know, Justin Rose is very different than Jason Day. But at the end of the day, they want the same thing. And so if you can help both of them achieve their goals, two completely different personality types, but they want to achieve, you know, what they're, they're, they're here to do. And so, you know, once you understand that, then it's just a matter of creating a roadmap and then helping them achieve it. So in, in coaching yourself, you, you've got to tell your own story to yourself, which means you got to be open. You got to be vulnerable. You got to see the world the way out really is not the way you want it to be. And you got to start out with that story. And, and, and then, you know, then you can go from there. And, you know, I think what really makes a good coach is a good coach is, is someone who's trustworthy someone that you know has your best interest at heart. Nobody's going to care about you until you care about them. Once a, a person feels that in you, they will open up, be vulnerable, and tell people exactly, you know, what they think. And, you know, I have, I'm an extrovert, I think. Uh, it was probably pretty easy for, for Jason to get me to spill my, spill, uh, spill my guts, okay, which I did, okay, uh, but I've coached a lot of people who are introverts and, and shy and, and they're not going to give it to you at the, at the very beginning. Yeah, you let's talk about that. We talked about your sort of coaching tree where you've, you've had something like 27 people who worked under you come up and be their own CEOs. Were they all really good self-coachers or did they need coaching along the way? I, I think they, they needed coaching, but the good thing about it was when they got in a particular situation, they coached themselves to come up with the right approach to get to the right answer, okay? Because ultimately, you do have to take personal accountability for executing what you learn. Donna, you could tell me a lot of great things and they all make sense, 
And then I can just walk down the street and just keep doing things the way how I've always done it. That's one of the reasons why I hated these. A lot of times we'd have these three-day meetings and everybody be all high. And, you know, we learned this and we learned that. They walk out the door and then they go back to normal doing the job the way how they've always done it. Okay. Because we didn't shock the system enough. We didn't shake people up enough to where you really drive that change. So, you know, yeah, pep I don't rally think, is not a roadmap. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to pick up our book if they don't want to change their life and make it better in some way or help somebody else make it better. Okay, so you got to have that in your gut first. When you have that, then you might be able to make some change. Jason, who are some of the best self-coached athletes you've worked with? Well, I would say, you know, Jason Day, Justin Rose, at the end of the day, like David said, they have to hit the shot. You know, so I've, I've worked with, you know, hundreds of golfers and, and, you know, all, all of them, you know, most of them are professional golfers. And, and, and like we were just talking about, we can talk about performance all day long, but at the end of the day, you know, when they need to hit a shot and it's a shot that's going to, you know, put them in contention or give them an opportunity to win, there's nobody on the planet, but them. And, and they have to, you know, make a decision, set their intention and then they have to perform. Yeah, David, it's the same with being a CEO or a leader. So who are some of the best self-coach leaders that you've worked with, like who just sort of really gets it? Oh, I, I, there's no question that Jamie Dimon at J.P. Morgan Chase is amazing. Brian Roberts at Comcast is 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 sensational. You know, uh, Jason brought up uh, Jimmy Dunn, who does a great job of, of self-coaching himself. Uh, and, you know, uh, Tom Brady's fantastic self-coach, you know, Steve Kerr, unbelievable self-coach. You know, it's hard for me to, to look at a, a really fantastic leader without realizing, uh, and knowing that, and, and, and just seeing it in action that they're very good at, at self-coaching themselves to, to self-correct or, or to leverage a skill that they have to take it to the next level. They, they just get it. And, uh, that's something we want to help people learn how to do. David, you call it raising the bar, but what keeps you motivated every year to every year on January 1st, sit down and say, this is how I'm going to be a better person this year. What keeps you motivated to do this? You've already been so successful. Well, I don't know about that, but I I do know that I don't think anybody in the world wakes up every day wanting to be a part of something mediocre. And so I kind of look at myself as a work in progress and I want to make what David Novak is be the best it can possible be. I want to make the biggest impact I can on earth while I'm here. And so I don't want to go through life just, you know, doing things that I enjoy. I want to go through life doing things that help others that I enjoy. So it comes back to helping people. I think there's no question that's my passion. So Jason, can you talk about a time when self-coaching really helped you yourself? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it was, we you know, go back to how I got on this path of becoming a coach. Um, you know, I, I had to, to understand that, you know, what I was doing wasn't feeding my soul. It, it wasn't, I, you know, had a purpose. It was to, to run this boat company. But, you know, at the end of the day, I wasn't having the impact that I thought I could have, you know, while I was here. So, you know, to me, it was, you know, how, how do you go from doing this you know, you're, you're really good at and, you, and, you know, and, and you're enjoying to, you know, something else that, that really motivates you to be, you know, passionate. And, you know, and, and like I said earlier, you know, once you start to see that you have a positive effect on other people's lives, it's really difficult 
not to want to do that every single day. Yeah. So David, how do you use the self-coaching to help others and not only to focus on themselves, but to get them to also help others? I think that it's the aha moment that uh, that comes from learning how to self-coach is once you pick up these skills, you don't really have to put a lot of emphasis on the need to help others, you know, because I think, you know, most people realize that it, you're going to achieve the most success in life, you know, when you can help others, but you got to help yourself first many times just so you can get prepared to do that you can you can want to be a great executive but if you haven't put in the time and grade to learn your trade it's going to be hard for you to be a coach in that specific area so there's a combination of time and grade and then you know the experience that you learn the things that you pick up you combine that uh and with with the 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 experience you get and the desire you get to to take what you've learned and, and spread it that, that makes you become a, a, a great coach. Jason, what's your favorite tip from the book? Reframing is, you know, maybe the most powerful tool. I mean, getting, getting yourself into a neutral mindset is, is, you know, to me is, is very powerful. But most people need that reframing tool on a daily basis. So if, if you could develop, you know, that tool to where you don't look at things in the scope of, of failure. Failure doesn't exist, right? It's all just about experience. And and if you can look at life as just one big experience after another, if you can set a, a clear intention and you, you start on a path, then you're going to be able to achieve, you know, whatever it is that, that you're passionate about. Along those lines, what's the most important question that you have to ask yourself? I think the most important question that you have to ask yourself is who am I? You know, you need to be self-aware. You need to have, you know, that question answered. So when somebody asks you, who are you? There can't be any hesitation. It's like what David was saying. You, you have to be that confident about, you know, why you're here. What is your favorite tip from the book, David? Well, I really love the idea of joy builders and joy blockers. And I think if you can understand what gives you joy, and what gets in the way of your joy, you're you're on your way to being home free. And yeah, and so since I love that. since I read the book, I will say you also offer ways for people to discover those. So if it doesn't immediately come to mind, you do give tips for how can you find those. This is a book of self discovery. This, you know, I learned a long time ago that telling isn't selling. You, the best ideas anybody can come up with are their own. Okay, therefore stories work and and good logic and and good process and good exercises they all work. You know you can't do something like this and 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 do it with fluff. It's got to be substance. David, I know you're passionate about learning. So tell me, what does it mean to be an avid learner, and why does this book fit the bill? Well, avid learners. I mean, you know, people often ask me. You, you talk to all these great leaders, what's the single biggest trait that they all have? And it is that they're avid learners. They, 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 they want to make themselves better. They want to make their, their business better. And, you know, you, you're constantly on the lookout for learning. And that's what I think the big, big trait is, is that, you, you know, the one thing about uh, greatness is, is that it, there's always some humility in greatness because humility says that you don't know it all. There have been books written about people who uh, are the smartest people in the room, okay? They end up being the dumbest. But the people who know that they don't know it all, 
those are the people that become avid learners and they ultimately end up learning a lot more than everybody else. And then they put that to use for their business and the people that they lead and themselves. Because you, you have to grow yourself. You have to grow your business. You have to grow others. And avid learning allows you to do all those things. All right. We're going to have some fun now. We're going to do that lightning round that you like to do at the end of your podcast. Well, I've never only, done this yeah, one myself. Only, now you have to answer the question. So these are going to be for both of you. They're going to be really quick questions, really quick answers. Favorite golf movie, Jason? Oh, Tin Cup. Tin David. Cup. Oh. Okay. David, all-time favorite racehorse? <laughs> Secretariat. <laughs> oh, I mean, I was going to say Secretariat. Oh, well, you can have the same movie, same horse. I guess we're going <laughs> to. Yeah. Okay. So, Jason, if you could be a superhero, any one of them, which one would it be and why? I guarantee you David will not pick this. Doctor Strange. <laughs> And the reason is he manipulates time. Oh, that's good. That's what you do with meditation. Mm. David? Captain America. <laughs> no surprise. So no question, man. I'm, I'm going to save the planet. I want to have that. I want to wear that union. I want to be, I want to be Captain America. So, David, one of the questions that you ask all of the guests that you have on, do you have a secret talent? Do I have a secret talent? Oh, I love uh, doing the voice uh, with my grandkids. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm not a good singer, but we we get the chairs out. We do the turnaround and all that kind of stuff. And it's, That's it's awesome. Very fun. Yeah, it's yeah, good. No, it is I amazing. I want to come do it. it. No, it's, am, it's, <laughs> it's amazing to watch. It is, really. Jason, you have a secret talent? I mean, I, I love to cook, and I don't think a lot of people know that about me. So I'm a, I'm a pretty good, like, I have this ability that when I want to cook something, I can have the taste of it in my mouth before I even start. Wow, that's really going he, to he, the. He makes a he <laughs> makes some mean scrambled eggs. I have to. Admit, he taught me a few tips that I now I now make mean scrambled eggs. All right, now now we have to get the tip on the scrambled eggs. <laughs> well, so the tip is you add a little cold water, okay. right, and you whisk it in, and it makes really fluffy scrambled eggs. Yeah. Nice, I like it. All right, you get a fruitcake as a holiday gift. Do you eat it or regift it? I always eat it, and it's for the same reason because I want to get better at. So I'm very interested on what other people do. So I, I always even with fruitcake. Yeah, I, I want to know: <laughs> is there? Am I going to find one that I really enjoy, and then why do I enjoy it? I regifted something once for one of my relatives, and my mother found out about it. She gave me so much hell about it. I'll never regift anything again. <laughs> but I also will tell you, I'm never going to eat any fruitcake either. I'm with you on that. Both. <laughs> All right, guilty pleasure it can be food or entertainment. I, I guess you're going to be food, but I don't know. Oh. I would say I, you know, guilty pleasure. I do enjoy a, a nice glass of wine on occasion, um, and for the same reason, I want to I want to try as many things as possible. So it's not a particular varietal. I'm 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 open, so I'm always looking for something I haven't had before. Dave, you can't pick wine because you do that more than on occasion. So <laughs> yeah, no, I, no, I, I, mean, I got to tell you, guilty pleasure. That's a tough one, but I have to was I have to say is bluebell ice cream. I mean, oh, oh my gosh. I, I start that tub and it ends up being gone. <laughs> All right. So, David, one of your favorite questions that you ask people on your show, and I want to hear it from you, are three traits that you see in the best leaders. Well, I think, number one, they are humble enough to know that they can't go it alone. Number two, they are big believers in people, and they know that they have to have incredible talent uh, to succeed. And number three, 
they take great joy in leading people to victory. Great traits. All right, Jason, we're going to mix it up just a little bit for you because I want to know the three traits that you see in the most coachable and successful people. Doesn't have to be athletes, most coachable and successful. I would say I have most experience with athletes, but but I would say in general, they know who they are. So people are self-aware. Um, then they have their purpose is very well defined. So they know where they want to go. And then I would say the last thing is they're so passionate about achieving that thing. And, and to me, that's, you know, uh, what separates a person that's going to make it in sports from a person that, that doesn't make it in sports. It's the attention to detail and, and the discipline and, and, and the self-accountability to do that every single day. And, and, you know, to me, I'm, that's constantly amazing me and I'm so lucky to be able to, to witness it, you know, and, and, and being in, in, in the same, in the same room while they're doing it. It's just, you know, it's just inspirational to be able to watch it. Well, I feel lucky to have been able to sit here and talk with both of you. But Jason, David, it's been my pleasure. And David, thank you for letting me host your show. Oh, that was great. (laughs) You know, we'd like to thank you, Donna, for doing this. Uh, And, you know, a great self-coaching example that I saw or heard was when you were talking about when you won your first race and you you were coaching a horse, okay? (laughs) And you knew when that, that horse's ears perked up that that was the time you need to give him a little extra incentive. And that, that helps you win your first race, if I recall. And there wasn't anybody there to tell you to, to give that uh, little, you know, swat, you know, whatever it is you do to a horse to get him to go. Okay? Well, as we talked about, the, the jockeys do not have coaches, but we do have a team member and our team members are horse. And if, you, and if you're as a jockey, I think you are a coach. And if you're a good coach, then you're listening to what your team member needs and wants and, and you try to provide that. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And if you're in that flow state at the moment, then you know that it's absolutely the right thing to do because you just trust your intention. Like it might not ever have been a thought that you ever had before, but if you're in that flow state and you and you realize, oh, this is what I need to do. Speaking yeah, of that, I'll tell you a quick story. Yeah. So I turned for home one day on a horse that was in front and I went to turn over my riding crop. And as soon as I turned over my riding crop, she penned her ears back. And so I put it away because I knew she didn't want that. And so she ended up winning, but only by a head. And so when I came back, the trainer said, how did you know not to hit her? I meant to tell you that I don't think she likes the riding crop. And I said, well, she told me. And so, but the joke back in the jocks room was the valet said, yeah, Chris Valovich was the guy who ran second. Donna turned over a riding crop and saw it was just Chris and put it away. <laughs> yeah, and and I think, Donna, you you coached yourself, if I recall. You wanted to be a jockey, and you started hanging around in the stables and just being there and learning, and people saw that in you, and that ultimately led to you getting the opportunity, if, if I recall. I know your mother was a famous jockey. Yeah, I think one of, the, one of the best pieces of advice I got was somebody said, do you want to know how to win races? And I said, yeah, and they said, ride for people who win races. And that's when I realized that I had to associate with people who were already successful if I wanted to be successful. Yeah, that's a great, that's like in golf, they say, if you want to be a good putter, don't have dinner with a bad putter. <laughs> Make sure you hang around good putters, okay? That's a good idea. <laughs> All right, guys, it's been a lot of fun. Jason, really nice to talk with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for the book and your contribution to it. And David, it wouldn't be a book without the both of you working together. Donna, it's been wonderful to meet you. Thank you so much. 
we, we couldn't add anybody better uh, ask us questions about what we're trying to do. And uh, we thank you for setting the stage for what we hope is a very successful endeavor. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, thank you. And it was my pleasure. Thanks. Now, I hope you enjoyed that conversation, and I hope you're primed and ready to be the best self-coach you can be. If you don't already have a copy of the new book, go to Amazon or wherever you buy books and pick up a copy of Take Charge of You. These lessons have made a significant impact on my life and my career, and I want you to experience the same benefits. Pick up the book and go on this self-coaching journey with me. So do you want to know how leaders lead? What we learned today is that the great leaders use self-coaching to transform their life and career. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of How Leaders Lead, where every Thursday you get to listen in while I interview some of the very best leaders in the world. I make it a point to give you something simple in each episode that you can apply to your business so that you can become the best leader you can be. I'll see you next week.